I'm Evan, and this is what's happening on the Hill. First of all, if you're new to Shelby Christian Church, we'd like to invite you to visit our I'm New wall in the lobby and our Next Steps room at the end of the Common Grounds hallway. These are two places where we can get to know you and get you connected with our church family. We'd like to invite you to our next Pathways meeting, April 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. This meeting includes a Chick-fil-A dinner and childcare. But remember, there are three steps to Pathways. Step one is membership, step two, discipleship, and step three, involvement. So make sure you've completed all three steps. We know that God's been up to something on the Hill, and we saw that firsthand this week as we celebrated not one, not two, not three, but eight baptisms. Let's celebrate with these families. Good morning, church family. Glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to worship the Lord and give him praise. Come on, let's sing together.
Christ and who he calls us as, that we are chosen, not forsaken, and that he is for us. So everyone in this place, let's lift our voices together and sing out those things. Seth, because we're in the same neighborhood, and we chit-chat when I'm walking, and he's in the yard, um, and his parents, and his mammy, and his younger brother, Evan, are here, so we just want to celebrate with Seth. Seth is a first grader at Cornerstone, and he's a little athlete, loves to play sports, and he's really good at it, so I expect that we're going to see Seth's name in the paper or online, and that's exciting. Sports are important. They teach us character and discipline, but you know what today, Seth? Your name is going in the book of life. And that's the most important book. That's the most important place for your name to be. So would you do with me what we've done so many times? We'll hold hands, okay? And you can repeat after me, all right? I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the living God. And I accept him, and I accept him as my personal Lord, and Savior. Because of that confession, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. Okay? Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. Can I hold your nose? Here we go.
Good morning, church. Stu, did we get a song? <laughs> Everyone, this is Katie Tipton. Uh, she is the daughter of Jerry Tipton and uh, Jamie Tipton. Last week, after her daddy was baptized, she decided that it was time that she make that change as well. And uh, just a little bit on that, for me, it just shows that sometimes we need just a little bit of courage just to make that extra step. And she saw her daddy, and she got her courage from her father. Jerry, you ought to be very proud of that. So, you ready? Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. To be my personal Lord and Savior. To be my personal Lord and Savior. Katie, because of your confession, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins and the gift of eternal life. That's what it's all about there, and it's happening more and more when you saw in the video. Man, God is moving in this place. Uh, just, my name is Dennis Dove. I'm the executive minister here. I want to welcome you guys to Shelby Christian Church today. As a reminder, after I pray, we have stations set up with the communion around. It's double cup, so the, the bread's in the bottom cup and the juice is in the top cup there. Uh, you're welcome to go get that. And then there's offering boxes as well. If you want to partner with us in giving, you can drop it off there or do it online. So we have the service on Thursday night. So Thursday morning, um, I was like, I wonder what I'm going to say. So I was driving to work and I stopped at a stop sign because I live in this neighborhood right here and there's multiple stop signs. And stop signs and I don't always necessarily agree, right? My kids as I was growing up would be like, dad, you didn't stop. So I was like, yeah, but if it's got the white ring around it, it means it's optional. And I, I thought they knew I was kidding until my oldest son uh, failed his driving test because he did not stop at one single stop sign. And he's like, nobody was coming. And I'm like, yeah, but there was a police officer right there. Um, so that another time in the neighborhood, I almost rammed a fellow church member who came to a complete stop at the stop sign. And I like called him up and I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, my wife's in the car. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you that one. And then the last little story, I was getting out of my car in my driveway there when a police officer pulled behind me. And, you know, in his defense, I had time to get out of the car, probably because he stopped at the stop sign. But he's like, dude, you didn't even try, right? So I was like, I promised him that I would try to stop at the stop sign. So I actually did and looked both ways. And as I sat there for a second, it made me think of the communion that I was trying to think of what I was going to say. And then it's a time that we just need to stop. And we need to reflect and we need to look different ways. We need to look inward, right? In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that we need to examine our heart before we come and do this. If you've got something against your brother, if you've been fighting with your wife, there's something that you need to take care of, you need to do that before you take communion. We need to look outward, right? We need to thank God for all the blessings that he's given us. Right? We need to look backwards. The Bible says we need to do this in remembrance of me. Remember that Jesus loved us so much that he came and he died for us, even though we didn't deserve it. And we need to look forward, because the Bible also said, Jesus in the Last Supper said, hey, I will not drink from this cup until I do it in heaven with you. We're going to commune with Jesus one day when we're in heaven. 
So as you come around here now, stop and think about those things. Hey, when you get to a stop sign, stop and think about God too and all that he's done for you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the chance to worship you. We just hope it is pleasing to you, Lord. You are awesome and holy. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. But thank you most for loving us enough to send Christ down to die on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. basically surrenders to him.
part of the song because it tells of what he's done. It's an example of how he comes through time and time again. Amen. here this morning and that's where you find your life right this place where it looks like everything around you is just in chaos what a incredible reminder right with this song that that whatever it is that, that we're facing in this world that our firm foundation right that Jesus above all else never fails us never forsakes us, is always there. When others let us down, when, when, when we're disappointed with whatever else this world may throw at us, 
such a such an incredible reminder. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here today. Thanks for being in worship. Uh, one thing I want to let the uh, church family know about before we uh, continue on with the sermon this morning is uh, this past week, our the founding pastor of our church, um, his name is Kenneth Schaus, Brother Schaus is uh, what we called him in our home growing up. He was my preacher growing up here at Shelby Christian Church. He, uh, he went to be with Jesus uh, in the middle of this week. And so his services are tomorrow from 3 to 8, the visitation over at Spencer Christian Church over in, in Spencer County. And then the, vis- the ser- uh, service is at 11 o'clock on Tuesday at Spencer Christian. Brother Shouse had most recently been working on the staff over at Spencer Christian. He was in a nursing home in Taylorsville. And so the services and everything is going to be over this week. So we wanted you guys to know about that. If you hadn't already heard that, if, you're, uh, if, you've, if, if you knew the, the Shouse family, Brother Shouse, uh, Kenneth and Verley, um, like I said, they were, they were my preacher growing up. When I think about a preacher, that's what I think about. I don't think about like my goofy self or or whatever else i don't think i I just that's who i think about he was just the he was the he was a a giant a titan uh in this community for so many years he came here in 1968 uh with his family with the sons and his, his lovely wife and planted this church on that first sunday there were about 12 people that showed up I, I don't know if 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 he knew it, on that day that it would look like this, but God did, right? Uh, from from twelve folks or so to over twelve hundred. Wow! And and everything that you see and experience here today, it rests on the shoulders of Brother Shouse and Verley and his family. A man who heard the call when God said, "I want you to go to Shelbyville, and I want you to plant a church." And so he did that. And so we're going to celebrate his life this week. So be praying for his family um, and, and his sons, uh, Blake and, and Bruce, and, and their families as they uh, say, see you later uh, to Brother Shouse this week. Hey, uh, you guys know the difference, right? You know the difference between uh, going snorkeling and going scuba diving. Here's all about it. Like, how many of you guys have been snorkeling? All right, a lot of you, a lot of fo- folks have been snorkeling. Usually snorkeling... You know, you'll go on vacation somewhere tropical, right? And it's, you know, it's this thing where you, you maybe want to kind of get in, in uh, you know, six, five, six, seven, eight feet of, of water. It's usually clear water and you want to look at the coral reef. You want to look at the fish. You want to kind of, so you'll get the little mask, right? You can buy those at Walmart. You can get the little tube that goes in your mouth with the little thing. And, and usually that's about all. You can get the little fins put on your feet. Like, and that's about all it takes to go snorkeling. Snorkeling is that water activity that you're just kind of, kind of on the surface, right? An eight-year-old can go snorkeling, right? But scuba diving, that's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Scuba diving, you're going, you're preparing to go a lot deeper. It's just, it's not just surface level. Like you're going to, you're going to go deep. And so you get the wetsuit, you get the tank, you get all the equipment. There's usually um, um, training involved. You have to get certified in certain places. So you can go to Louisville and get certified and you can take some classes. And there's a lot more involved because you're going to go 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 feet down into the water. You're going to take a deep dive. So there's a difference in snorkeling and scuba diving. And the difference is how deep, right? How deep you want to go. I, I, I Googled this week and I said, hey, what happens when you dive deep in the water? And here's, here, here was what Google told me this next thing. It says, as you uh, descend, 
Water pressure increases and the volume of air in your body decreases. This can cause problems such as sinus pain or a ruptured eardrum. Sounds fun so far, right? As you ascend, water pressure decreases and the air in your lungs expands. This can cause the air sacs in your lungs to rupture and make it hard for you to breathe. Who's ready, right? Here's the point. When you go deep, you have to make preparations. You have to prepare for some danger. It's not a surface level activity. And just like snorkeling and scuba diving are two different activities, there's a, a vast chasm between religious activity, kind of just the routine that religion can be of we do this and then we do this and on this day we go here and we do this and checkbox, let's move on with the rest of our week, right? Religious activity versus saying, hey, I want to I wanna dive deep into a relationship with Jesus and with other people. Those are two totally different ideas. And so this series that we're in, we're in week two of, of diving deep. And the, the subtitle is Authentic Christianity. Getting past just the surface level of, of what we are doing and seeing what's, what's really down deep. Last week, Dave talked about what it looks like to grow together. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to pray with one another and for one another. And today, what I want to talk to you guys about is what it looks like for us to really care for one another. To really kind of go past super, superficial, kind of surface level relationships And really care for one another. Because here's what you're going to find when you read the New Testament. Is that God has this desire for us to care deeply for one another. His passion is for us to love one another and to care for one another and to be there for one another. So that's what we're going to look at today. God's designed us to live together with one another in peace. To serve and to love one another. Here's what's interesting. There are over, uh, there are 59 actually, one another passages or verses or themes in the New Testament. I wrote some of them down this week. This isn't all 59 of them. But, but here are, are, are a few of the, the one another passages that the Bible talks about. Look at these. Honor one another. Greet one another. Welcome one another. Show hospitality to one another, have fellowship with one another, agree with one another, live in harmony with one another, be at peace with one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, bear one another's burdens, comfort one another, care for one another, confess sins to one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, build one another up, exhort one another, instruct one another, teach and admonish one another. Sing with one another, do good to one another, serve one another, wait for one another. You get the idea, right? Be humble towards one another, submit to one another, speak the truth to one another. Do not speak against one another, do not judge one another, do not provoke one another, do not envy one another. And 15 times or more in the New Testament, it says, love one another. And so, it is blatantly obvious That what God desires is that his children would care for one another. 
would love one another, would be there for one another. You guys that, that, have, that are, have, have, have raised your kids or are raising your kids, isn't, isn't this like the, the best thing in the world when your kids, when they're getting along, right? Isn't it the best thing? Like if they're in the other room and like and when, they're, when they're younger and, and, like, and, and like just in a moment... Like they're, they're playing a game or they're doing something and they're actually like laughing and enjoying each other's company and not trying to kill each other, right? And you're in the other room, you're like, oh, that, that sounds different, right? Or like if you have little ones and it gets quiet and you're like, oh no, that's not a good sign. And you walk around the corner and they're actually like getting, to, getting along and you're like, this, it's just this sweet experience and this sweet sound versus, right, when they're trying to like rip each other's heads off, Right? That's kind of the phase we were in a little bit. But like, you know what I mean? When they get a little bit older and they, 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 you get together for, for Christmas or a birthday or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's so good to just get together and enjoy each other's company. And everybody's getting along. I, I can just imagine God looking at his children, looking at us, right? And just, just loving when we get along. When we're there for one another. When we're caring for one another. You know, in a world, especially today, right, it seems like the idea of like, hey, when you just say, hey, let's just be kind to one another, what a revolutionary idea, right, in our world. Because when you go online, you know, it doesn't look, it doesn't seem like very many people are being nice to one another. It doesn't seem like people are being kind to one another. And so when you say, the thing we teach our kids, hey, let's just be nice to one another, let's start there, right? It's like, what a, what an incredible idea. And so when you look at all these one another passages and you think about these things, where did the inspiration for all this come from? Who came up with this first? Well, it came right out of Jesus' mouth. Jesus taught a sermon. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever preached. It's in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And I want you to look. You've probably heard about this before. You've probably heard this phrase before. The golden rule. Here's what the golden rule says. Jesus said this. He's he's teaching on all kinds of different things. He's just kind of, it's three chapters, so he goes through a lot of different things. But right in the middle of of chapter 7, he he says this. And it's kind of this little standalone statement. And here's what he says. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do to other people what, what you would wish that they would do to you, right? What you Treat them in a way that you wish would be reciprocal. But what Jesus does here is, is he says, this isn't a defensive kind of way to care about people. This is on the offensive. Like, you, you care for them, you do for others way before they do anything for you. It's not like, well, if I'll wait, and if they're nice to me, I'll return the favor. That's not what Jesus says here. He says, you do to other people, you treat people in the way you wish that they would treat you because they're not always going to treat you the way you wish, right? He's taking this simple thing and he makes it profound. And he does that with so many of his teachings in the New Testament. He says, be proactive. He says, "Take take a deep dive with people. Go beyond the surface and do something more than that. In Jesus' upside-down kingdom, I love, 
I love reading the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and just everything that Jesus says in the New Testament. Because here's what you have to understand. Almost everything he said, it, we, we can look at it today and go, oh, well, that's, yeah, we've heard that before. And that's, that's yeah. But when, when in, the, in the first century, when, when people would hear Jesus say things, it was, it was the first time it had ever been said that way. Like this golden rule, like Jesus is saying something that like, like most people were like, all right, I'm just going to stay away from folks. I'm not going to do anything bad to them, but I'm definitely not going to go out of my way to care for them. I'm just going to avoid them and ignore them. And Jesus comes along and he flips the whole thing on its ear. He does that over and over again. In the, in the, in the New Testament, in Sermon on the Mount and other places, Jesus says, hey, he would say to his, his followers, do you want to become a leader? You want to become a leader? And they would say, yeah, yeah, we want to become a leader. How do we become a leader? We want to be right there beside you, Jesus, all the way. We want, we want to be like one of your guys. How do we become a leader? And he would say, we need to, to serve others first. You need to, to wash feet. You need to put other people before yourself. And they would say, well, that's not how we've seen leaders behave in the past. Like, leaders have authority, and leaders have power, and leaders, yeah, and Jesus says, this is a different kind of of kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. And he would say, do you really want to find true life? And they would say, yeah, we want, we want life. We want, we want to find true life. We want eternal life. What do we need to do? And Jesus would look at him. He would say, you need to die to yourself. <laughs> Jesus, we want life. We don't want death. If you want life, Jesus says, sacrifice yourself. Sacrifice your wants and your desires. Put other people before self. Take pride and set it on the sideline. And they would look at that and they would go, we've never heard anyone say things like this before. They would say, hey, hey, um, we want to we get back at our enemies. What do we need to do? And Jesus would say, you want to you get back at your enemies? Yeah, because really, they've really ticked us off. Here's what you need to do. You need to love them. What? There are enemies. Jesus would say to them, hey, not only do you need to love them, like if they strike you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And these guys are sitting around going, dude, if somebody punches me in the face, it is on. Right? And Jesus says, no. Love your enemies. This upside down kingdom. He says, do you want to be rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to be rich. Who doesn't want to be rich? He says, well, if you want to be rich, give, give some of your money away. Oh, Jesus, how's that work? Right? We want to be, we, the way you're rich is you keep it all and you get more, right? You don't give it away. Jesus says, if you want to be rich, give some of it away. Blows their mind. And then he says, do you want to be like me? Do you want to be like Jesus and care for others? Even when they cannot return the favor. That's what Jesus says. And then Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He takes this up another notch. He looks at his disciples later on in John chapter 13. Here's what he says. He says, now I'm going to give you a new commandment. Here's what you need to understand. The, the Jewish people have over 600 rules. 600 laws. They have over 600 things that they have to keep up with that they can't break. And so, after a, this becomes like, right, this, this oppressive, like burdensome thing. If you had over 600 things that every day you had to think of, like, okay, I can't do this, can't do this, can't, can't walk this, can't eat this, can't, like, all these things, right? Say so over 600 of these. And so Jesus is, is doing this new thing with his disciples, right? He's, 
he's come in and he's establishing a new kingdom and a new idea, a totally different way to live. And he says, I'm going to give you one commandment. Just give you one thing. Like, here's what he says. Love each other. Period. Right? He could have just stopped there. Just love each other. But then he goes on and he says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And he says, your love for one another will, will what? Will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now think about this for a second. Jesus is sharing with them this idea that the way that you treat one another, it's going to be observed by people outside, people in the world, people outside of, of, of the church, people outside of, of our group. They're not in yet. And they're going to look at this. They're going to look at the way that you guys interact with one another. The way you treat one another. The way that you care for one another. The way that you love one another. And it's going to be... It's going to be so odd. It's going to be so different. It's going to be so weird. That people are going to look at that and go, What What are they doing? This is not how people act. This is not, how, this is not the way of the world. Like, what are they doing? And it's going to be so different that they're going to stop. And they're going to go, this, this, this has to be. Look at how they care for one another. Look at how they treat one another. This has to come from God. And I would ask you this morning, do you remember, do you remember your life? Do you remember who you were? Before you came to the realization of how much Jesus loves you. Maybe it's been in the last year or so. Maybe it was 50 years ago. I don't know. But can you go back and think about the, the person that you were. Before you allowed yourself, maybe, to be loved by Jesus the way he loves you. Jesus would say... Love other people the same way. Love other people who are searching for the same thing that you found. You love them in that same way. Do you remember how God extended grace to you when you were at your lowest? Do you remember? Do you remember the place you were when you were in your darkest place and it was a pit and it felt like hell and you realize how much Jesus loves you and how much grace God has extended to you through his son and pulled you out of that Jesus would look at us and say you extend that same grace to those who are searching for me who need that grace extended do you remember your awful sin do you remember what it took for you to come to the place and realize that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins? And, and you sit and you think and you pray and you contemplate and you're like, God, I cannot believe you would forgive me of that, of those things, of those actions, of those thoughts, of the things that I've done. And God, you forgive me of all of that? Jesus says, yeah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive others the same way that I've forgiven you. The way that we care for one another, the way that we love one another, will prove to the world, Jesus says, that we are his followers. Our faith is never only between us and God. It's shown through the way that we live every single day. 
So obviously the Bible has a lot to say about how we live with one another. He's passionate about how we care for one another. His desire is for us to demonstrate that love, live at peace with one another. But then Jesus does something else. He takes it up another notch. John chapter 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples. This is, uh, the Passover's come. He shared the Lord's Supper with them. He's washed their feet. It, it's, things are about, like it's Thursday night and, and it's Friday of that week, of that Holy Week, right? And things are about to get really crazy. And, and like he knows that like all this pressure is going to come upon them. And some of them are going to deny him. And he knows what Judas is about to do. And it's about to get really crazy. He's going to be arrested. And all these things are going to happen. All this pressure and all this anxiety and, and, and some bad stuff is coming. And Jesus stops and he prays for his disciples. He prays for his followers. And part of that prayer is is very interesting. Here's what he prays. He says, I pray, talking to to God the Father, he says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And the next one. I am in them and you are in me. And look at this. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know. Say this same phrase, right? That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What does Jesus pray? What does he pray when he knows it's about to get really hard? It's about to get really difficult. He says, I, I, I want them, Father, to understand that they need to be together. That they need to be one. He prays for unity with his disciples. And he, and he prays for unity with his church. And he says, above all else, I want you to care for one another. I want you to love one another. I want you to be there for one another. I want you to be united. I want you to have this perfect unity. Because when things get hard, you're going to need one another, Jesus says. He says that we should have per- so, such perfect unity that it's rare and that it's odd. And the world will know that this Jesus movement is from God himself. In the first century... The first century church, they understood Jesus' teachings here. They, they excelled in these teachings. I want you to look at what the church in Acts, how it cared for one another. This is in Acts chapter 2. And just kind of picture this, right? This is how the church started, how it behaved, how it conducted itself, how it treated one another, how it cared for each other. Look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45 and then following says, And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those who, who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And then look at this. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Day after day after day, people would notice. This, this Jesus movement, this, this new thing, these Christians, I think that's what they call themselves, right? They are behaving in a very odd way. 
But what it did was it drew people in, right? It drew people in and it said, hey, we, we care for one another. We love one another. We're looking for opportunities. We're sharing life together. And there was this generosity and there was this great joy, right? And it was, it was attractive to other people. And they wanted it to be their lives as well. And so Jesus says, this is what it looks like when we care for one another. They cared for one another. They shared with one another. They worshiped together. They broke bread. They did this with joy and generosity. And this is how we care for one another. But why do we care for one another? Your love for one another will prove to the world, Jesus says, that you are my disciples. This is how people will know. It's not going to be a lot of words. It's going to be the way you love one another. It's going to be your actions. The way you care for each other. And so here's what I want to do. We've got about seven, eight minutes left before we get out of here. I want to give you guys just some concrete things that you can take with you today. All right? Some things that maybe you can just take one or two of these and say, you know what, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one. I'm going to do this one. And, and see how God blesses your relationships this week. Here's the first one. First thing. When we care for one another, one of, the, one of the things we can do is we can just listen to one another. Sometimes people, people in your life, they just need someone to listen to them. They just need someone to kind of sit down, look them in the eye, and say, I'm going to put my phone down right? Nothing else is going to distract me. Uh, let, let's, let's talk. You talk and I'll listen. Sometimes folks will come in to my office and, the, and it'll be like this counseling session. And, and uh, well, a guy said this not too long. He said, you know what? I don't really need you to fix anything, to do anything. I just need to talk. And will you just listen? I'm like, I can do that, right? Just listening. Don't try to fix it. Just listen. Sometimes people just need us to listen to them, to know that we care enough to just simply listen. Guys, I bet if you went home this week and with your wife or your significant other and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm work on this one this week. I'm just going to like, and like when she's, when she's talking about something, I'm just going to, I'm going to really pay attention. She's not going to have to say it three or four. I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hone in. I got you, right? Sometimes just listening can be something that really helps us care for one another. The second one is just understanding one another. If you're a little bit older, you probably look at the generation behind you or a couple generations behind you. We do, everybody, every generation does this, right? And you're like, I don't really understand those, those, that group, right? I don't understand kids today or I don't understand old people today. And it's like everybody, nobody really understands where the other generation is coming from with a lot of things, right? We, we can be honest enough to say sometimes we just look at that and go, yeah, I don't get that, right? I don't know where they're, you know, what kids today or whatever, right? But here's what I've noticed is that if we would just stop long enough to, to try to see things from their perspective, whoever it is, whatever it is, try to see, see where they're coming from. If you, have you ever done that and found it to be really helpful just to stop and go, you know what, I'm going to put my agenda to the side. I'm going to put what I think about whatever it is to the side. And I'm just going to exhibit a little bit of, it's called empathy, right? I'm just going to exhibit a little bit of empathy here in this conversation. I'm going to really try to see where you're coming from. Understanding other people can really help us show them how much we care about them. Here's a practical one. Just call someone. How, how many people do you actually talk to on the phone? 
We, we communicate with people through text or other things. But like, if you actually hear their voice, like I was thinking about this week, there's only a couple of people that I actually, like I'll talk to my mom on the phone, I actually talk to her on the phone, I'll, you know, actually hear her voice and we'll communicate that way. Sometimes my wife, um, we sometimes will text, but like we'll talk on the phone. And then beyond that, right, it's usually just text. If you look at your phone this week and it, and there's a uh, it pops up and it's one of your friends you haven't talked to in a while and you you're gonna you're gonna get a, like a, a smile on your face right and you're gonna answer that and you're gonna it's gonna be good to hear their voice. There's somebody in your life this week that needs to hear from you. They just need to hear from you. They need to hear that you love them, that you're thinking about them that you're praying for them. They just need to hear you, hear you say, you know what, God put you on my heart today and I just wanted to call and talk to you for a second. If you got a call like that this week, wouldn't that just make your week? If somebody did that for you, like you know how busy they are and how busy you are. It's like, man, if somebody did that, that would care for your soul. So maybe, maybe it's just a simple call. Here's another one. This kind of fits in with that. Write to one another. I, I was cleaning out my, um, some files this week, last week in my office, and I came across a, a bunch of like thank you notes and cards that people had sent over the years. And there's something special about like a handwritten card. It's old school, right? We don't do this anymore much. But like, you know, maybe you get some at Christmas time or whatever. But this handwritten note that somebody took the time to sit down and, and write to me and, and some very heartfelt things. Those things mean the world to me. I keep those things, right? You may have some, some things like that where somebody sit down and, and wrote something out. It, it could be a simple text message, right? You, you shoot that off, an email, whatever. You just write to somebody and say, hey, just wanted you to know, thinking about you, praying for you, praying for your wife, praying for your kids. Love you. Let's get together, Right? It would care for their soul in such an incredible way to know that just out of the blue, someone's thinking about them. Uh, the next one. Pray for one another, right? And you, you don't know how often, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but I'll, I'll get a, a message or, or, or a text or something from someone, another pastor friend or, or just another friend or whatever, and say, hey, you know, usually Easter weekend, people, other pastors are like, hey, praying for you guys this weekend, hope that things are incredible, those kind of things. Whenever I get messages from friends or other people that say, hey, man, we're praying for you, praying for what's going on at Shelby Christian, those kind of things, it's like, those things mean the world. When you get a, a, a just someone, a message from us, hey, I, pray, I just want you to know this morning, when I, when I was thinking uh, about my, my prayer list or was spending time with the Lord, um, your, your name, your, your face came across my mind and I, I prayed for you today. And if you got a message like that this week that somebody said, I just want you to know I was praying for you. Not a preacher, not a whoever, just a friend. This is, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you, thinking about you. What would that do? What would that do for your soul? Another one, a couple more. Eat with one another. Right? Just invite one another in, in into your home or go out to eat and just share a meal together. One of the most intimate things we can do with other people is share a meal with them, right? We did this, um, Melinda and I did this uh, last weekend. We went to dinner with a, 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 some friends, a couple, and we just sat and ate and laughed, you know, and had a good time. And we realized like, that the night kind of gets away from you. We're like, well, we better go. We got kids at home we need to take care of, right? That kind of thing. But it's kind of like when you're just enjoying someone's company and enjoying a meal with someone, it's this very intimate thing that really cares 
for your soul. You can just kind of sit and relax. You invite them to your home, like I said, or you go out to eat. Man, what would that do if, if somebody did that, if the church just did that for one another on a regular? Hey, why don't you guys just come over? Let's just enjoy each other's company. And let's, let's, let's share a meal together. It's, it's so biblical. Uh, here's another one. Help one another. Just simply be there for one another. And, and when we say, hey, how can we help? Do you need something? Is there something tangible that we can do for you? And the church jumps in and cares for people. That's love mobilized, right? It's, it's love in action. So we look for opportunities to do that whenever we can. Um, and then a couple more here. Invite one another. And just invite people in to your life. Invite them to church. Invite them to your life group. Invite them to your Bible study. Invite them over to your house for a meal. Invite people into your life. We get so busy and wrapped up with the things that are going on, right? And if we just stop and say, hey, God, who is it that I can just invite in? Invite them along your journey. Invite them in and say, hey, will you come and be a part of what God's doing here. Come, let's do this together. Follow me, Paul said, as I follow Christ. Invite them into your life. Maybe it's your one that you need to keep inviting. I love the story a few weeks ago. A couple of the girl, one of the girls was getting baptized. And it was her neighbor that was baptizing her. And, and they were friends for a while in the neighborhood. And they were hanging out or whatever. And they kept inviting them to come to church. And, and the, the lady said, you know what? We're not really there yet. But one of the things she said that was interesting, she said, we're not ready to say yes yet to, to come to church. But don't keep, don't stop inviting us. Don't stop asking. And so what she was saying was, hey, we're, we're going to get there one day. You know, plant those seeds. A harvest will be reaped at some point. And so invite people into your journey, into your life. And in the last one, plan to care for one another. Make it, be intentional about it. Uh, have a plan to say, you know what? I, I've got some people that I just need to, to show how much I love them. God, you've placed these people, this group, this, this couple, this individual on my heart. And I just do, need to do a better job of letting them know how much I love them. Pat um, Murphy is a friend. And he, I called him this week because he's, he's one of the few people that I knew that, that had gone scuba diving. And so I said, Pat, tell me a little bit about that experience. And so he was sharing with me how, you know, he went and got certified in Louisville and went and got trained and get all the equipment and do all this stuff. And so he and, oh, actually one of those first pictures was of him and his friend Lynn Gillis when they went on a, a scuba diving uh, trip. And I, and I said, well, how, how deep do you usually go? Do people usually go when they scuba dive? And he said, 40, 50 feet is about as far as I've gone. You can go 60, 70. I read online that, you know, up to about 130, and that's kind of getting crazy. But one thing he said was really interesting. He said, the problem is, the, the deeper you go when you scuba dive, the darker it gets. Right? He said, so it kind of becomes, you know, the, 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 you, have, you have lights or whatever. So the farther you get away from the sun and the surface, the darker your environment gets. And I thought about that. I said, I thought, you know, that's very interesting because here's what happens when we decide to go deep with one another. It, it can get dark and it can get dangerous. Do you guys realize that it, when you're in relationship with other people and you care about them and you go deeper than just like surface level stuff, it can get messy, can it? It can, it can get dangerous. But Jesus comes along and he says, when you care for one another that way, it's going to prove to the world 
you're my disciples. Ephesians 4, I'll close with this. It says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then Jesus stands before us today. And he says this, this is my command, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. And I wrote this down as the bottom line. Caring for one another means carrying one another's burdens. There may be a time where you have to carry someone else's stuff for a while. That's the way that you're going to care for them. You're going to be there for them in that way. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I got a lot of stuff going on. And other people look at that and go, well, how could you do that? How can we do that as the church? How can, how, why, why would you do that? And our response, right, is this. Our response is that we worship a God and we realize that our Savior Jesus carried all of our stuff to the cross. He carried it all to the cross on our behalf. And what He asks us is to simply love one another the way that He loves us. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather in this place to worship you, sing songs of praise to you, share in communion, celebrate baptisms. God, this is your church. God, thank you for the reminder today about how we are to love one another and care for one another so that the world may know that this is all from you. We didn't come up with this. We didn't manufacture this. This did not come from our hearts or our brains. This comes from you. And so may we love the way you've loved us. May we extend grace and forgiveness the way you've extended it to us. May the world know how much you love them. And that name is Jesus. God, my prayer, our prayer this morning is if there's an individual in this room today that hasn't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior yet, that they wouldn't leave today without making that decision. That they would seek out an opportunity to pray and to talk and to discuss and ask questions and walk that journey of what it looks like to giving themselves completely and wholly to you. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name I do pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this last song. We've got a decision. Some folks will be over at our decision area. We'd love to pray with you and talk to you about what that looks like. Let's sing. Thank you.
for being here this morning. One uh, real quick uh, announcement, re-announcement. We have Pathways this Tuesday night. So if you're interested in uh, coming and figuring out what it looks like to be a part of Shelby Christian, step one, uh, getting involved in life groups, Bible studies, those kind of things, step two, and then getting more involved, step three, uh, six o'clock, Chick-fil-A, dinner, uh, free child care. You can sign up this week for that Tuesday night. Uh, You guys have a great week. Have an incredible, incredible day. Enjoy this beautiful weather. Let's get out of here. Let's go love God, love people, and watch Him change this world.